Hey guys, welcome to Bowhunting Soul. Um, this intro I'm recording actually for the second time for this podcast. Uh, this episode is about ethics, and um, it was recorded months and months ago. It was just one of those ones that I, I recorded to kind of to have in the bag um, when I was, uh, you know, short on uh, a guest or a recording time for, for other, other subjects. And I recorded an intro, and I'm re-recording this intro. And some of it is uh, re-recorded because some things I talk about in here um, have changed, uh, at least with me and my opinions of it, and it's because um, I don't want you to call me a hypocrite. Now, before I get into that, this episode, the, the intro was really to kind of do a, a caveat or a preface or, or whatever you want to call it, that there's some things I talk about in here that are absolute go, no-go for me, right? Some things are absolutely over the line. Like, you're not going to convince me, not to give away spoilers here, but you're not going to convince me that, uh, you know, Ozonics belongs in the woods. Sorry, it doesn't. Uh, you're not going to convince me about crossbows in the archery season. Nope, sorry, you're not going to convince me of that. But there's other things in here that I talk about, like trail cameras, for example, and, uh, or, or baiting, you know, or certain types of baiting or, uh, you know, hunting uh, with dogs or party hunting and that kind of stuff. Uh, I talk about them and it's more for discussion to get, you know, to get you thinking and to get you, um, you know, maybe looking at, at certain things different ways where if it's not for you and certain things are not for me, um, I'm not poo-pooing one method or another. I'm just saying that's just not for me. It's, it's kind of like a gray area, but it's never, you know, those, some of these things aren't exactly an absolute, you know, no-go for me, right? So, um, when you think about these things I'm going to talk about here, you know, think about it in, um, you know, through the lens of, I guess, uh, you know, geography and uh, the, the culture, uh, hunting culture in certain, you know, geographical locations, uh, the history of certain places, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, uh, like I'll talk about hunting in the South, for example, you know, we're, we're hunting, you know, deer with dogs or party hunting or that kind of stuff is kind of prevalent. Not for me. Uh, I'm not saying one way or another, you know, I'm, I'm against it. So before I get any of the hate mail, I just wanted to preface that. So um, that little bit of, uh, of intro there was pretty much what I said in the previous recording. Um, now, some things have changed in the last several weeks. So I re-recorded this, this, this beginning part, and that part has to do with uh, trail cameras. Now, um, I've listened, I've re-listened to the podcast, because again, I recorded this months and months and months ago, and I'm still uh, of the opinion that a cellular camera is, uh, a trail camera is just, it's over the line for me. But um, I think I kind of um, shit on uh, trail cameras a little bit in this thing. And uh, well, call me a hypocrite or not, I actually went out and bought a trail camera uh, several weeks ago. Um, it was because I'm trying to get a better picture of idea of what's going on and how these deer are moving because I, I just could not figure out the pieces of the puzzle um, with, with what I had. So yeah, I went and bought like a cheapy Tasco $28 Walmart um, uh, trail camera. And uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, can number, I can see how people like them. I can see how you can become addicted to, uh, you know, going and, and, and trying to, you know, look at the... Uh, I look at the pictures, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of like opening up like little, 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 little peaks of Christmas gifts kind of thing. You know, it, it's kind of cool. So anyway, well, I didn't want you guys to call me a hypocrite because of that, because I've posted it on social media since then that I've had you know trail camera out there and uh, been using it. So 
like I said, some of these things aren't absolutely set in stone, and some of these things I'm kind of changing my opinions on, so I just wanted to be completely upfront with that. Now, also with that said, um, what, uh, just a little note, some more like housekeeping here. Right now, we are, I guess, when you're going to hear this, we're full into the season here. This is going to be released like the second week of October. And, um, you know, I hope you guys are, uh, are, are having success in your seasons. I haven't uh, had any success yet. I've, I've sat a bunch of times. And, um, you know, I'm going to try and crank out as, as many of these and try to stay on like a two-week schedule. With that said, I'd really appreciate it. It's really important if you guys uh, share this podcast. If you like the podcast, um, if you, you know, even if you don't like the podcast, I don't care. Tell people about it. I, I don't really advertise for this. I don't pay for advertising. It's all just, um, you know, organic but I'd really appreciate it if you guys get the word out. And if you leave a rating, the, I, I know it's a pain in the ass to do it. And, and I, I get told a thousand times that all the other podcasts I listen to, leave a rating, leave a rating. And it's really hard. To, well, it's, it's really hard to get yourself to do it, but it's so simple. So just go leave a rating. And that really, really helps us in, in, in the rankings and in the algorithms and, and how you know, these um, uh, podcast uh, players and things like that pick up uh, certain shows. And, you know, we'll get distributed to a lot of other people. Uh, go check out the uh, YouTube channel. Again, I put up videos there all the time. Some of them are just, you know, just me shooting that kind of stuff. And, but a lot of them are actual how-tos, uh, how to do certain things, how to, uh, you know, how to set up your bow or how to, sh you know, sh sh sharpen something or uh, how to mix permethrin, you know, for... Uh, uh, for, for tick spray, I've got all that kind of stuff out there. How to use a one, you know, one stick climbing method. I just put that out there uh, today, as of today, as I'm recording this. So all kinds of stuff out there. And so I'd just really appreciate it if you guys get the word out. And another thing, um, the YouTube videos that I have all have uh, Amazon affiliate links. I'm an affiliate with Amazon. Now, uh, if you don't know about that program, if you go through my link, any of those links, let's say you talk about uh, the Hawk Helium climbing sticks, or let's say talk about my 59 Kodiak, whatever. Now, 90% of you, I'm sure, already, already shop on Amazon. The beauty of this program, the way it works for me, is I get a little bit of a kickback, and I'm talking like pennies, or maybe like a dollar or two on like, like bigger items. But every little bit helps. Every little bit helps to kind of grow this channel or buy, you know, like a microphone or, or, or you know, tripod or whatever, whatever, what have you. So the way the affiliate stuff works is if you go watch any of those videos, if you, if you uh, hit the uh, little down button in the, in the description, you have the, the description of the video pop up. If I'm actually talking about something or, uh, or reviewing something, then there, there will be a link down there and it'll say Amazon affiliate link. Go click on that link and it will take you to Amazon. You can still use your uh, Amazon Prime. You can still uh, <clears throat> use all the stuff you need for, for Amazon. You'll still go through all your normal, um, you know, it'll, it'll still recognize you as you. It doesn't cost you anything. However, if you go through that and not necessarily even buy the thing that I'm talking about, say I'm talking about a $700 bow, okay, and you just click on, oh, Kodiak 59. And then while you're on Amazon, you're like, huh, I need to buy like a 10-pack of tube socks or I need to buy some printer cartridges, or, or what, whatever the, 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 the 20 things a week probably the most of you guys buy on Amazon. Because you went through my link initially to get to Amazon, no matter what you buy, I will get uh, you know pennies on the dollar or whatever, well, pennies on the $100 kind of thing, but I will get a little bit of a commission for that. So every little bit helps. So you don't. So I could be talking about that seven hundred dollar bow. You don't have to buy that seven hundred dollar bow. You can still, you know, check out with, uh, 
you know, uh, a, you know, cheap little water bottle or, uh, you know, my example I always give is like a 10-pack of Sharpie markers, right? doesn't matter. Because you went through my link, through my channel, uh, and you actually bought and, and purchased, purchased anything, then I will get a commission for that. And that comes directly back to, you know, the channel. You know, it's not really for, you know, personal gain because, again, this is just like, like pennies right now or, or, you know, like a couple bucks a month, honestly. So, um, you know, I would definitely like to put that toward uh, better audio equipment, better recording equipment, uh, better, um, uh, you know, maybe even like a, like a head mount, uh, you know, uh, camera. Can't afford a GoPro, you know, don't have three, four, five hundred dollars to do that. But, you know, even like 50, 60, 80 dollars for one of the, the knockoff ones, you know, that uh, be like an action cam or something like that. So anyway, um, all that patronage and all that, all your support is really, really uh, appreciated. And uh, sorry if that sounds like too sales pitchy, but a lot of people don't know that. So if you want to support the channel and it's not going to cost you any extra anything, then no matter what, no matter what, just go through, you know, even if you're not watching my videos, you're like, hey, I need to buy something from Amazon. We need to put in our weekly Amazon order or whatever. My house, that's certainly the case. Go click on one of my videos. Click on, you know, anything that, that has any link down at the bottom that's an, that's an Amazon link, and like 99% of them are, and go through that, and I will get um, some commission for that. So I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Anyway, with all that said, I rambled on for almost 10 minutes here in the intro. Um, we can get on to the show, and uh, the show is going to be about ethics. Again, listen to the whole thing, and remember all the, the, the preface stuff that I talked about before you send in any hate mail. So anyway, hope you guys' seasons are doing really good. Uh, it's in full swing, and if it's not, I wish you guys the best of luck. All right, thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome to episode seven of the One Soul Podcast. My name is Trevor Bork, and thank you guys for joining me again. <coughs> Excuse me. Now today, I want to talk about um, this podcast is going to be about ethics. It's kind of ethics in hunting. Uh, you know, in life and stuff, but but ethics and hunting in in you know in in general. Now, there's a quote that is often associated with Aldo Leopold. Although I I don't know, some people say it wasn't really him that said it, but from what I can find on the old Google machine, that it was. And it's a partial quote from a longer quote, but it generally it goes like this: It says, "Ethical behavior is doing the right thing when no one is watching." Now. That's kind of a, a great way to look at it, okay? Because you know you can put on a front, you could put on a face, you could put on, uh, you know, a facade for, for for other people or the public or whatever. But gen, you know, genuinely deep down in your heart, when you know that something just isn't right and something just doesn't sit right with you, that um, you know you're only you're only fooling yourself. And in hunting, you know, we have we we have ethical dilemmas to deal with. Now, I'm not talking about uh, what other people may think, like, like non-hunters or anti-hunters or, or, or things like that. You know, certainly you're not going to convince an anti-hunter that anything you do uh, in the hunting world is ethical. I'm talking about within the community and, you know, within, uh, you know, your friends and family, and most importantly, within. Now, the way to, I guess, uh, not s summarize, but an another way to look at ethics and what, what, what Aldo Leopold said is... You know, can I look at myself in the mirror and be honest with myself and feel good about whatever it is that I just did? Um, and then, like I said, in the hunting space, there's 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 lots of uh, you know little nuances 
that, you know, maybe, how should I put this? I'm going I'm to back up a little bit. In the hunting space, there are, in, in certain things, there, there's right and there's wrong, right? Like poaching is wrong, for example. Um, you know, purposely taking a bad shot on an animal is wrong. But then there's other things that are, I'm going to say, geographical or geographically uh, uh, nuanced. In other words, uh, I've, I've just got some, I've got a list of things over here that, you know, we, we kind of want to cover. For example, and these are in no particular order, by the way, uh, like hunting with dogs, hunting with dogs in the south, uh, primarily for deer. It is, that's, you know, the way they do it, right? That's how they do it, like in the south. I know, I, I think, I can't remember if it's Florida. Uh, excuse I apologize if I'm getting all the... Um, all the states wrong, you know, but, you know, in fact, I, I don't know the states, honestly. I know in Florida, I think it's, uh, it may be legal to, to hunt with dogs for deer. Um, so a lot of, it, it's like a southern hunting tradition. And for someone from another part of the country to come there and say, well, you, th this is just totally unethical, we can't do it. Well, you know, if, if that's the way it's been done, um, then I, I don't think that you're violating any kind of ethics in that area. Now, it may violate your personal ethics, but in that, not necessarily, uh, you know, something that's going to be bad to the public in that general location. Um, I know I said this in a previous podcast that, you know, it, it doesn't matter something, you know, right is right and wrong is wrong. But um, again, these are some of the nuanced ones. Again, so hunting with dogs in the South, uh, range finders. Some people find rangefinders unethical. Some people find party hunting unethical. Uh, some would even argue that tree stands, okay, they don't, you know, they think it gives you uh, a much more unfair advantage over the animal, but that's un un unethical. Uh, lighted knocks, uh, food plots, deer drives. These are all things that are either sometimes geographically uh, 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 relevant, and some are just kind of across the board relevant. But those I'm not really going to dive into right now. Well, I'm, I'm going to dive into a couple of them. But those I'm not going to dive uh, too deep into them. I, I actually, there, there's so many little things that you can kind of talk about in this without having like a five-hour episode. But for me, because it's my podcast, there are going to be some hot-button issues for me that are clear go, no-go, um, where, you know, I, I, just, I, just, I just draw the line at certain things. So I guess uh, these ethics for me... Uh, the following ones, again, no particular order, but the gut check for me begins, and this is a line that I will not cross. So the first one I'm going to just get out of the way are, are drones, okay? Um, I think almost every state, thankfully, has gotten ahead of this whole drone issue, and I'm going to call it an issue. They've gotten ahead of the whole drone thing where they said, look, you cannot use drones for the, for, for the hunting or for, for the take of animals. Now... So the way some of those laws are written, though, and I don't know every state's laws, but I know uh, some of those laws, the way that some of those laws are written, um, they, they may not cover all bases. Now, certainly, I'm against, you know, a guy going out there, whether it's on private land, certainly on public land, uh, going out there and then flying around a drone and, uh, you know, locating where the animals are, you know, from overhead and then immediately going over there or setting up in their travel path and being able to take the game. That's just a complete, I mean, I mean, you're, you're basically you've got literally like a God's eye view and you know where everything is. I mean, this is how, um, you know, the DNRs and, and, and fish and game uh, commissions and stuff, that's how they conduct deer surveys and, uh, or, or deer counts. You know, they fly overhead and, you know, they, they, they count deer from, from above at certain times. 
you know, whether uh, actual cameras or thermal or visual or whatever, and then, you know, they kind of extrapolate that information. But, I mean, they, they can actually see the deer, and then you could actually see the deer. And that's just, I mean, that just violates any kind of fair chase um, uh, doctrine or, 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 you know, uh, I guess uh, fairness, you know, w within me, within the way I think, with, I think the way with a lot of people think too. But here's where it kind of trips up. If you watch a lot of these uh, increasingly, like, you know, YouTube shows or TV shows or whatever, how do you think they get all those aerial shots of, uh, you know, the cool, like, kind of flyby of, like, the hunter walking across a pasture? You know, I mean, you think they're hiring, you know, a $1,000 an hour helicopter to do that? No. They've got a drone. Most people, it seems like a lot, not most, but it seems like a lot of these people whether it's like the bigger productions or, uh, you know, even like, you know, Meat Eater and, and Randy Newberg and, and you know, all, all these guys um, use it for production value or, or, or it's not necessarily B-roll, I guess, but I guess, I guess that will count as B-roll. But a lot of smaller uh, channels have it too. A lot of YouTube channels have it too. And where do you draw the line? You know, some say, well, I can use it for scouting. That's not necessarily uh, using it for hunting, you know, if it's in the off-season but, you know, what about when it's in the season and then you're doing those, you know, uh, cool, like, flyby shots or overhead shots of, of something, you know, just, just to kind of add, like, that cinematic effect? Well, to me, you're still using a drone over deer. You're still, or, or whatever it is that you happen to be hunting. So, you know what? I'm not on board with that. How do you police that? How do you, how do you say, well, um, you know, let's, let's say a wildlife official stops you, you know, DNR or, or, or whatever stops you, um, and they say, well, well, what are you doing? I mean, how do you prove or disprove what you're actually using it for? You're saying, well, I'm just taking aerial photography. I'm taking this. I'm, you know, I'm making a film, what have you. Okay, but you're also gathering data. You're also gathering intelligence. Like, it sees what it sees. It can't, like, not unsee it. So where do you draw that line? For me, well, uh, I, for me, I draw the line of drones. I'm sorry. I don't like them. Now, how about Google Earth? Okay, we all use Google Earth or Onyx Maps, which pretty much runs on Google Earth, I think. Um, and you get aerial photography and you get aerial maps and you get aerial, you know, for me, that's okay. Um, and by the way, some of these you're going to say, well, you're okay with one thing and not another and you're a hypocrite. Okay, fair enough. Maybe, again, this is, I, I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong. I'm just, I'm just kind of spitting out my, my thoughts here about, about some of this stuff. So uh, Google Earth, everyone uses Google Earth. But Google Earth doesn't show you real time, uh, or at least I, I don't think it does. A lot of that stuff is, is a little bit dated. Sometimes they're months dated. Uh, you can get a lot of information from that. You can get, you know, like snow cover or, uh, you know, burn areas or, um, uh, you know, summer, you know, summer trails or winter trails or whatever. And, and some of them you can actually see actual deer trails. For example, when I do a lot of scouting uh, or, or, you know, e-scouting or whatever, when I'm looking at Google Earth and I'm looking at, you know, swamps and marshes and things like that, you can actually see, if you zoom down enough and you know where to look, you can actually see deer trails, you know, that go out into a marsh, you know, like a heavily, heavily used trail. You can actually see those things. Now, does that give you an unfair advantage? Well, yeah, I think it does a little bit. It definitely gives, I don't know about unfair, it definitely gives you an advantage. It does. It means you don't have to, well, hang on. It doesn't mean that you don't have to set foot on there and actually see because those trails have to be pretty significant for you to actually see them uh, clearly enough from Google Earth. However, 
you could find those trails for yourself if you were to uh, go. Or conversely, you may not see anything on Google Earth, but when you get down to actual you know, boots on the ground level, you might be able to find all that stuff that just doesn't show up on a satellite picture. So for me, that's, that's kind of the cutoff. Now, talking about uh, uh, pictures and cameras, let's move on to trail cameras. Now, this is kind of starts to turn up the, uh, the ethical meter for me. Um, I'm not a fan of them. Now, I know the whole trail camera thing is big. It's a booming industry. Uh, it sounds like everybody has, like, you know, at least one, sometimes up to, you know, I mean, guys, guys will have, like, 10, 20 cameras sometimes. Um, and it seems to me it's gotten a little bit ridiculous where you've got this entire, it's, it's like, uh, you know, old Soviet, you know, or, you know, Soviet Union or, you know, or, or London, you know, where there's like, you know, CCTV cameras and increasingly everywhere around here too, by the way, don't, don't, don't mistake, you know, the little, uh, uh, you know, square box or whatever on top of all those, uh, uh, streetlight intersections and, and things like that. They're happening here too, but that's a whole nother rant, by the way. But it seems like everybody wants to know exactly what's going on in the woods, like all the time. You know, they want to know what's going on all the time. And to me, that takes away, that takes away a lot of the mystery. It takes away a lot of the, um, you know, the, the, the surprise of, of maybe something, you know, walking out in the woods that, you know, you didn't know was there. Um, and the trail cameras have evolved from, you know, just taking pictures and you having to tromp through the woods and go get the cameras and go get the SD cards and things like that and bring them back out and, uh, you know, um, and, 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 you know, put them on your computer and, and, and read them that way. Well, guess what? Now we have cellular cameras and they bring you real-time information of exactly what's going on, like right now in the woods. And I think they provide too much information. You know, in my opinion, you don't need to um, know exactly where, you know, that, that big buck that you've named, you know, some stupid name or whatever stupid name people give, give a deer, like Mr. Big Nasty Drop Tine or whatever, um, you know, exactly, exactly where he travels, how he travels, at what hour he travels, um, and that, you know, at this particular hour, every Thursday at like 2.43 a.m., you know, his, he, he poops in this one spot and his poops always look like the shape of Elvis. You know, you don't need to know that much detail about a particular animal. There's no mystery. There's no mystique. You know, I, I, have, I have no problem with people that want to, like, target one particular buck or, um, you know, group of bucks or whatever. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I like to have an inventory of what's going on out there, you know. But, you know, and, and it seems like to me, by the way, the whole inventory is, is thing or one, one particular buck thing is, is kind of weird because from what I understand, from, what I've, from what, what I've heard from everybody that, that talks about these, they have this stuff going on and they know these particular bucks. And, you know, you know, June, July, August, September, whatever. But come like late September or, you know, to mid-October when these bucks start to like, you know, split apart from their bachelor groups and then they start hating each other. Uh, you know, these things, these guys disappear. And, and it seems like uh, very few, very few times, you know, a, a particular buck that someone has actually targeted actually is still there during like the rut and, and post-rut and things like that. So uh, I, I don't know what people are after with this kind of stuff. But to me, um, it, 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 the, the cellular cameras, I think, are the worst offender. You know, having real-time information, it's almost as bad as a, as a drone, 
you know, uh, having real-time information of exactly where that animal be, will be. I mean, they might as well have a tracking collar on them. They might as well have a tracking collar on them. And, and, I, and, and I'm not okay with that. You know, what this allows you to do is you get a text on your phone. You know, you're, you, you could be sitting there on your couch watching TV, eating dinner, whatever. And you get a text on it, assuming it's, you know, legal shooting, whatever. You get a text on your phone. Oh, such and such, you know, Mr. Big Nasty Drop Time or Freak Nasty or whatever stupid name is coming, is, is here. And you've got like five other, ten other cameras set out. And you're like, okay, well, I can tell his direction of uh, travel or whatever. You can get in, get your hunting stuff, you know, go out to your back 40. Let's say you, you know, this is on your farm or whatever. Run out there you know, intercept him because you know exactly like, you know, 16 minutes from now, he's going to be at this other camera. Well, in, in, you know, 14 minutes from now, you could be over there and set up and ready for him to come by. I mean, where the hell is a sport in that? Where's, where's the fair chase in that? You know, I mean, like I said, you might as well have a tracking collar on him and you're just, you're just basically meeting him. You know, it's like saying, oh yeah, my flight gets in at, uh, you know, uh, 12, 10 AM or whatever. And then, you know, you're at their, uh, you're, you're, you're at the gate, you know, picking up your family from the airport. You know what I mean? I mean, you know exactly when they're going to be there and where they're going to come out and how they're going to come out. There's just, there's just, sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't, I don't agree with it. I think it's going too far. Um, trail cameras, especially, especially the cellular ones are going too far. So, um, it reduces woodsmanship, I think. It reduces, I think it, you need less skill to determine, you know, deer movement, why they move, where they move. Um, and it just takes away some of the mystique and, and you know, you're, you're, you're one step closer to um, the, the whole pick and pull method. You know, you know where they're going to be, you're just going to be there and you're just going to, you're just going to, I know it's not that easy, but it takes, it, it takes the skill factor a lot of, it, it, it slices the skill factor by a factor of, of God knows what. Um, and I think it just makes it that much easier and I'm not, a okay. So, um, just to kind of, um, uh, I was going back on my notes over here and I just want to kind of re re recap one more, one more thing I said about drones that I forgot to mention. I was looking through my notes here. Uh, not only with, with drones, are you able to, uh, see certain things, and, and, and get, a, get a much bigger picture and, and get animal counts or herd counts and things like that. But there's also the possibility that should a person want to do that, that you could harass, harass wildlife. And harassing wildlife is against the law, uh, but it doesn't stop people from doing it. And I understand that banning anything uh, doesn't stop people from doing it. I mean, as like a big Second Amendment supporter, I mean, I, you know, gun rights and this and that, I know that, you know, banning anything doesn't, doesn't, prevent bad people from doing bad things. I get that. And it's not, and none of the, none of these things, uh, are going to prevent poachers from poaching and, and, and people from, uh, kind of bending the rules, but I get that. However, I think the rules still have to be there. Um, with, with the drone thing, again, like I was saying, I know this has been done with, with helicopters in the past, uh, but we've, we've all heard stories of, um, you know, like outfitters, for example, out West that have like these, these leases where on these ranches, where there's, you know, private land ranches that are, like, adjacent to, you know, public land. And this may not apply to, you know, deer hunting and things like that, but, like, for, for elk hunting, for example, we've heard stories for years about how these people will take helicopters and actually harass, like, you know, huge herds of elk 
and, you know, do kind of herd them, do flybys or get close enough to kind of change their direction to keep them on private land for their, for their, you know, customers that pay, you know, five, 10, 15, $20,000, whatever the hell people pay for, for, you know, private land elk to keep them on private rather than having my, having them migrate over to, um, to, to public land. So the same thing could be done with drones. There's a possibility of doing that. And they're much, you know, much, much less easy to detect than a giant helicopter, for example. And uh, a lot more people have access to it. So I, I think, you know, I, 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 but, but where, do, where do you stop it? Because, like, people can have drones. And, then how, again, how do you prove that, hey, I'm using this for hunting purposes or not hunting purposes? So, anyway, I just wanted to recap that on drones. I know um, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit here, but that's just kind of popped up in my, uh, in my notes. So, Okay. So we're going to move along to um, uh, baiting and food plots. Now, baiting is tricky. Uh, just like I said with, uh, uh, with the dogs, the hunting with dogs. The whole baiting thing is, well, a, a lot of it's cultural. Um, there's baiting, I know. Uh, they're just getting rid of it, actually, in Michigan. But um, baiting in Michigan, that's been ingrained in the hunting culture like forever. A lot of other states, you know, allow you to bait. Texas allows you to bait. Um, and if that's how you grew up, that's kind of what you know. So someone like me coming into it saying, oh, you know, I, I don't believe in this, you know, it kind of, it kind of really riles people up and says, you know, who the hell are you? Well, again, for me, it goes against, it goes against, uh, everything I believe in as, as, as far as free chase or fair chase. However, I am going to tell you, I am going to cop to 100% being a hypocrite about this. Sometimes I feel different about it being with hogs. I've gone down to Florida and shot hogs, not with a bow and arrow, but with, I've done the rifle hunts uh, for several years, you know, so I've shot maybe six, seven, eight pigs or whatever. And they've all been at these like pick and pull places, right? I call them like, you know, pick your pork. And they've all, a couple of them have been fair chase. You know, they're, they're all on high fence down. They're all in fenced in areas down there, most of them. But uh, most of them, you know, have like the feeders on them. And I'm going to tell you, you know, it's, if that's what you're after, it's fun. For a while, it was fun. I'm not going to do it anymore because I'm kind of over the, the, you know, sitting there with your 30-odd six, 20, 25 yards away from a feeder, you know, the corn, um, and just, you know, pay, you know, wait for the biggest one to come out and shoot it. You know, and I've done that. You come home with a lot of meat. You come home with a lot of delicious pork. It's amazing. I love it. But I'm not going to do that anymore. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. And you guys that know me are going to say, well, Emery, you're being a hypocrite because, um, you know, you've talked about shooting hogs down there. Yes, I have. So going on to deer, though. For some reason, I can't do that with deer. I don't want to do it with deer. And it, it violates, uh, you know, it, it, it violates my ethics. Um, I think deer baiting is lazy. It's a lazy person's way. Again, it's, uh, it, it takes away a lot of woodsmanship. Um, it proves that you don't want to learn some woodsmanship. And I don't like that in general uh, because it just sets a bad, bad taste in my mouth of how you are as a hunter. Again, I'm judging you. Yes, I'm sorry, but that's, I, I am. Um, I, I just, you know, there's, and there's other concerns, you know, whether, whether true or not, I'm going to throw some of these out, you know, that it, it makes deer more skittish, for example, uh, because they're so used to being uh, shot at overbait that uh, sometimes it makes deer even more skittish than uh, th than they normally are because they're sitting there with their head down and you know people taking shots at them right 
And if they get wounded, well, that's not necessarily a good thing. You're not supposed to be shooting at a skittish or alarmed animal anyway in general, period. And all this is doing is exacerbating that situation, especially if they've been around for a few years, you know, deer have been around for a few years and not killed yet. Um, it does that. Now, there's also concern over uh, the spread of CWD, right or wrong. Now, I'm not going to dive into CWD very much right now. But uh, the idea is that, you know, all these deer are congregating in one particular area. They're rubbing noses, sharing saliva because they're eating over the same bait pile. And, uh, you know, any disease that one might have that spreads to the other one will spread quicker. Now, there's also the argument that, wait a minute, deer are social animals. They sit there and rub noses and they lick branches and they, uh, you know, uh, you know, rub, rub, you know, their glands on, on trees and things like that, that other animals have, you know, rubbed and licked. They do that anyway. I don't know. Again, I'm not going to get into that too much, but you know, you can't argue that, you know, a big pile of corn. And by the way, from my understanding, you know, if there's like a, a limit on like, you know, how much, you know, bait you can put out, for example, like a bucket or whatever, well, people put like 10, 20 buckets. And, you know, so there's, it, it just attracts more animals uh, to one area, and you can't convince me that, you know, that it's not having some effect on the spread of, of, of some of these diseases. You know, so add that with the whole skittish thing. You know, the dumb ones might, might get killed, but then the rest of them get, get educated to not eating over, over bait. So sometimes that's even, you know, counterproductive. Now, there's a lot of excuses for, for doing that. You know, the typical ones are, uh, you know, I don't have, I don't have time. I'm limited on time. You know, I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm a mom, I'm a, you know, I work too much, blah, blah, blah. I don't, you know, get vacation. Um, you know, I'm too old, you know, I want to make it easier for my kids to have success and this and that. But you know what? I say, I'm sorry, too bad. Okay. Just because you have a hard time doing something doesn't mean that that you have to do it. Again, you're not owed anything by these animals. So just because it's hard for you to, you know, walk to somewhere or you're limited on time or, or whatever, it doesn't mean you have to bend the rules uh, of, of, of nature and a fair chase so that you can actually shoot something. Okay. That's just, that, that, that's a dumb excuse. And, and, and I don't, I don't like, I don't like the whole, like, I need to make it easier for me. And for the kid, for the kid thing too, I understand if you want to get kids into hunting and get them interested, you want them to have some sort of success. I understand that. But I think maybe you're teaching them the wrong way that, that, you know, the kid, the killing is the measure of success. Um, I think kids in general today or people in general today need the hard work. They need the failure. And, and honestly, if I, I'm going to get some flack for this, but you know, if, if they don't get the success and then they, they, they don't appreciate the struggle, then maybe they're not cut out to be hunters anyway. I'm sorry. You know, we, we go out there and we fail most of the time. And that's life, by the way. And this is a good, like, life lesson. We fail most of the time. So if you're trying to reward somebody with, like, an easy kill or easy, you know, gratification of an animal down, well, maybe, maybe that's the wrong thing to be teaching them. And maybe they should be, you know, appreciating, you know, nature waking up in the morning. Uh, and we all, we all know this, you know, if we hunt, uh, you know, we get in the stand at like four or five in the morning or whatever, um, or the ground blind, and then you're there and then you listen to the morning and you listen to nature wake up and the birds and the squirrels and this and that, that to me is, is soul filling, right? I love that. And all the rest is just, is just cake and the beauty of, of, of nature and watching things and, and observing things. Yeah. I mean, it gets frustrating if you spend all season and, and not, not shoot anything, you know, I, cause, cause I want the meat. I want, I want that. 
But I think if all you're after is showing them, you know, an easy way to get animals down, I think that's the wrong thing to teach someone, especially kids. I think people need to struggle. I think kids, especially nowadays, kids need to struggle um, even more to make up for all the easy stuff in their lives, like, you know, like screens and iPhones and laptops or, you know, they don't even use a laptop, but, you know, uh, iPads and things like that. So I don't know. That's just, that's just my, my thoughts on, on, on things like that. So, um, we are going to, I do want to talk about bear baiting, however, and I am going to separate, uh, bear baiting from deer baiting. Now, again, you might think, Emra, you're being a hypocrite, you know, but it's almost from what I, I've never been bear hunting. Um, but it's almost impossible to spot and stalk a bear, especially in like really densely wooded areas, unless you're baiting. And there's a really, really good, uh, um, argument for baiting for, for, for bear, because, um, not only is it, is is it very tough, but what you're trying to do is you're trying to, you know, you're you're trying to take like the older animals, right? You're trying to take the big boar, you're trying to take, uh, or if it's a sow, you want to make sure that it's not a sow with cubs. Now, if you're, if you're doing spot and stock, um, you may run into, you know, you may run into a bear, you may not. But what baiting allows you to do is you have a set distance, you can judge that distance. Uh, you typically have like a barrel of bait or something like that. And you can observe these animals as they come in. So if it's a younger bear, well, you probably don't want to shoot that one. You may, I don't know, but you probably don't want to shoot that one. You certainly don't want to shoot um, a mama bear with cubs. So if you sit there and a mama bear comes out first and then you're not sure and you wait a little bit and then, oh, there's, there's two cubs with them. You can judge and get a better understanding of what animal is actually coming to this bait and then say, do I want to take a shot at this animal or do I not want to take a shot at this animal? A, for conservation reasons, you know, for ethical reasons, um, uh, you know, judging size. Judging the size of a bear, especially when it's on the move, is pretty difficult. But, you know, a, a good trick that, that, you know, where people use is, you know, the, the, size of the, the size of the barrel, for example, right? And if a bear comes up to the barrel, well, you can judge... Uh, the, you know, the, the height of the bear and the size of the bear in comparison to, you know, the, 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 the barrel of bait. And then you can be like, okay, yeah, that is genuinely a big bear. That's a bear that I actually want to go to, uh, uh, you know, take a shot at. This is a, this is a boar. It's not a sow with cubs, um, you know, things like that. So I think in a situation like that, then baiting makes sense. And I personally would be okay with it. I would love to go on a bear hunt and I would love, and, and, and I think the first bear hunt I go on is probably going to be a, a, a baited bear hunt. Um, you know, I, I might end up going to an outfitter somewhere. I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of a trip that I want to save up for and do, but yeah, again, this, this is, this is tricky. Like I said, in the beginning of the podcast, some stuff I, is, it sounds really hypocritical, but I'm okay with one and I'm not okay with, with, with some other stuff. So, um, to me, I've, and I'm not really convincing myself or pretending to convince myself. I've actually convinced myself that, that yes, baiting for bears is a totally ethical and, uh, and it's, it's, it's the right thing to do. So you're, you're picking the right ones, you know, baiting for deer in my mind is not the right thing to do. That's, that's just me. So that's the conundrum that I, that, that I kind of, uh, toss back and forth again with pigs, um, 
not that I have any less respect for pigs, but I've done the whole like, you know, you know, baiting thing. But if you're trying to go shoot, you know, a pig or two for your first time, then go ahead and get, get, you know, do that. But after a while you get to a point, I think, and I did that. I just don't want to do the bait thing anymore. And I don't want to do it with, with, with rifles anymore. Um, it's just the challenge isn't there. You know, it's, 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 it's little, little different than, um, you know, going to like a fancy restaurant and actually picking out your lobster from a lobster tank and saying, yep, that's the one I want. And then they take it and cook it for you. So anyway, um, what else we're going to move on to, Oh, oh, baiting. Okay. I'm going to keep, I'm going to stay with the baiting thing for a little bit here. Uh, so then what's the difference between a bait, uh, a, a bait pile and a food plot? Now food plots can range from acres or many acres to, I mean, literally like, you know, a, a 10 by 10 or 15 by 15, you know, square foot, uh, uh, little, little plot. So at what point does a food plot have to be considered a food plot rather than, uh, something that is a bait pile, you know, or, or, or what point let's say is, um, is it considered natural deer movement and that they would naturally eat here and, and be dispersed enough rather than concentrated in a small enough area to be a bait pile? That's a very good question. Um, you know, it, like I said, it can be small, it can be big. Now, if you have an, an, an area that is, um, you know, you've, you've got a, a food plot, for example, and then you, let's say it's on private land or something, and then you've, you know, you've manicured, manufactured this farm or land to have like this, you know, you know one acre or two acre food plot, and you've got like a wood, you know, wood line around it, and you're setting up a tree stand right between, you know, where they normally bed, and before they step out into this beautiful field, right? This is like what hunting TV or celebrity hunting TV was was pretty much like made on for the last like 10, you know, 10, 15 years or whatever. Uh, well, that's, you know, I don't know. That's, you, you've manufactured a place for, for, for them to come and eat at a certain time. And uh, you know, where, you know where, they, where they bed and then you know where to put your stand. Easy, right? Well, maybe. Um, but if you shrink that thing down, then you've got a bait pile. I don't know. I think it's just, it's just things that it's just things to think about. I, I don't I don't necessarily like one or the other. I don't really like hanging out on field edges. I don't really like hanging out near food plots or anything like that personally. Um, regardless, I like to go a little bit deeper. So that doesn't really apply to me. But I, I don't know how I'd feel about you know hunting over over something like that. Um, kind of following along with that is. You know, what, what about, what about on private land where people do like terrain alterations, like controlled burns or, um, or hinge cutting, you know, I was watching, uh, uh, well, I, a lot of people do it, but there's another, um, podcast that, you know, is, is doing some of this stuff and I'm looking at it going, ah, man, I mean, they posted one video and then, I mean, it, it looked like, uh, you know, a, a row, an entire, as far as you can see, like a row of trees were like hinge cut and down. I mean, it, it, they pretty much made like a pathway for, for, for these deer to funnel them in, for a long, long way in, in a particular way. At what point are you, are you, again, manufacturing this deer fantasy land versus, uh, and, and influencing what they do versus what deer are naturally supposed to do so that you naturally adapt uh, to uh, to, to hunting them in a certain way. So I don't know. That's just something to think about. Uh, I, I know the whole like, you know, timber improvement thing and, and habitat improvement thing is, 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 is important, but there's a difference. And I think between habitat 
and you know the whole hinge cutting and this and that and, and clearing paths so that you purposely direct deer to funnel in a certain direction in a certain way and then you know so the so the ultimate thing would be like you know you do this hinge cutting and you funnel all the stuff and then it goes right into a food plot you know that's a small enough food plot that, that you know it just I don't know. At that point, you're a farming deer, in my opinion, even though you can technically call them free range and it could be, uh, you know, you know, no fence, you know, or whatever. But in my mind, you're, you're, you're manufacturing this, this fantasy land. And I, I, I think it takes away from the purity, purity of the hunt. So, okay, going to move on to um, a big hot button issue for me is crossbows and crossbows in the archery season. Now, I personally, I'm going to say off the top, I don't like crossbows. I have no issue with them in a firearm season, but increasingly crossbows are becoming way more popular with hunters in general. I don't know whether they think it's like the cool factor. I don't know whether they think they're like, you know, Daryl, what's his name on, uh, on, on The Walking Dead, uh, you know, TV shows. But I think there's a lot of things driving this. I think states want to sell more licenses. Um, so they're allowing crossbows into regular archery seasons. Now, let's get this straight. A crossbow is not a bow. Okay, I'm going to say that again. A cro- I don't care what the name is. I don't care if it says bow in the name. A crossbow is not a bow. It has a buttstock like a rifle. It has a, like a foregrip like a rifle. It has a scope or a red dot like a rifle. It has a trigger like a rifle. It is cocked and loaded at the truck and it can be shot off of shooting sticks. I don't care that it has limbs and some cables that look like, you know, bow limbs. They're the, and I don't care that it shoots a projectile that's basically a short arrow or like a really slow bullet. It is, you know, a cross gun. A lot of people call them cross guns, right? Because, you know, we just don't like them. And then the crossbow crowd gets all upset. Oh, you're just, you know, calling. I can see it by the fact you call it a cross gun that, you know, you're, you're closed-minded. No, I'm not closed-minded. This is not a bow. It is not a bow. I have no problem with compounds. I shoot a compound. But I'm going to get into some of the differences between a crossbow and, 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 and compound and, and traditional. But a crossbow, again, is not a bow. I think it is the lazy hunter's... Um, it's lazy hunter solution. It's the same excuses I hear with, with the baiting and things like that. I don't have enough time. I want to make it easier. I want to make it, you know, easier shot, blah, blah, blah. My time is limited. I don't care. Okay. The other excuses, of course, are I'm too old. Uh, I can't be accurate enough with the bow. I can't draw a bow anymore. All this crap. You know what? I don't give a shit if you can do that or not. Now, in some cases where you medically, genuinely medically, you know, you really, really want to draw a bow and shoot a bow, but you can't. There are so few people that actually meet that, just like a lot of people on like quote unquote disability, getting money from the government. There's actually so few people that genuinely, genuinely, genuinely meet that, that it's not going to be an issue. But for everybody else, it's you're being lazy it's rifle hunters now that want more time in the woods or, or, or they want a you know, longer season. They're like, oh, all these archery guys are uh, um, you know, getting in the woods in September. I got to wait till like November or whatever. So I'm going to pick up this, but I don't want to learn how to shoot a bow. 
I'm going to, you know, I know how to shoot a gun, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to shoot one of these. I'm sorry. These are lame excuses. If you're not accurate enough, practice more. And if you can't get there, well, guess what? Again, you, you are not entitled to any of this. If you can't do something, I'm sorry, you can't do it. Then don't do it. Those of us that practice all the time and shoot all the time and feel like we can do it, well, that, that's great. We put the work in, thousands and thousands and thousands of arrows and time. We do that. But just because you can't do something doesn't mean we have to bend the rules to acquiesce to you. Now, the states really don't care because the states, states want to sell licenses. They want to sell as many licenses as they can because that's what funds the DNR, that's what funds conservation, that's what funds their, their budgets. But I think they're going about it, about it the wrong way because I think it's putting the wrong type of hunter in the woods. And I don't want to share the woods with these people. You can say it's elitist. I don't care. You can call me elitist. Uh, it's totally elitist. And I'm not elitist saying, you know, traditional only or anything like that. Now, there's a lot of traditional guys that don't want compounds in the woods. But here's the difference, okay? Um, with a compound bow or with any bow, traditional bow, uh, you are within, it, it's the chance of getting busted, okay? When these seasons were set about, when, when archery seasons were originally set, harvest rates were incredibly low. There wasn't this level of accuracy, and it really wasn't putting much of a dent, if any, in the animal population at all. There was plenty of tags. That's why the season is so long. The season is in, in Minnesota. Here we can shoot from mid September to the end of uh, to, yeah mid September to December thirty one. Now, crossbows are not legal here. They're legal if you're over like 60 or if you have a medical condition or whatever. But I guarantee you that's going to change. It's on the horizon. Our next-door neighbors in Wisconsin, they, uh, they allowed crossbows in the regular archery season. And guess what? Last year and the year before, crossbow, crossbow harvest rates exceeded regular archery rates for the first time ever. Okay, think about that. What's happened out west, what's happened in other states is that the, the efficacy of these weapons, the efficiency with which they can kill, and the harvest rates are so high, they might as well be with a rifle. And what's going to happen? The reason that, like I said, the, these, the, these um, seasons were so long was because we weren't putting much of a dent in it. But guess what? When you have higher harvest rates, other states have seen their seasons shortened, their tag limits, what used to be just over-the-counter or, you know, unlimited or, or you know, just, just go buy it. Now they're in, in um, you have to be in a lottery. You have to draw. This is coming, okay? In your state, maybe this may be the good old days of being able to buy, like, unlimited doe tags and things like that. But by the, if we allow these things to continue, everyone's going to suffer. I have no problem with, with crossbows in, arch, in, in the firearm season because, to me, it's, 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 it's damn near a firearm. But when you, can, when, when you can sit there and put this thing on shooting sticks and see something in a scope and, and do, you know, one minute of angle, you know, one MOA or whatever it is that, some, that this Raven crossbow or whatever <coughs> is, uh, is advocating, well, I'm sorry, okay? The whole reason these, these seasons are low is because, the, 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 because, because it's so hard to do. The animal's supposed to win. The deer are supposed to win. You're not entitled to any of this. So when you have a regular bow 
or a compound. You are physically raising the bow, holding the bow, drawing the bow, and shooting the bow within, within eyesight of the deer. Now, compounds, I know, even with a lot of let off, you can draw the bow and hold for a long time. But with very few people, you're not shooting, you know, 60, 70, 80 yards. It's still, you have to be close. And it's the visual, it's the visual cues that give you away. Like the movement will bust you. And that's what you're taking away with a crossbow. If you can sit there like a sniper that with, with, with a crossbow that you cocked at the truck three hours ago and you're sitting there on, on crossed sticks, where, where exactly... Where exactly is the difference between shooting with a rifle or a muzzle loader? Because you're shooting it from so far away. Especially if you have a rangefinder. If you have a rangefinder with you, with whether it's your compound or, or traditional or whatever you're shooting, you have to do that too. You have to pick it up. Again, you're making movement. Okay, pretend you're the deer and pretend you're you're, you're within shooting range of, of 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 the hunter or being shot range. The hunter's picking up, you know, picking up the rangefinder. It's picking up the bow. It's it's raising the bow. It's it's you know, and then it, and then if the deer moves, of course, then you know you you let down, and then you rearrange it again. Let's see if if that's what you're if that's what you do. All this is movement. You're taking away all of that with a crossbow, and you're shooting it from farther away. And you know the the the, the biggest problem for me is it's this influx of lazy rifle hunters, lazy hunters, people that I don't want to share the woods with. Again, they're not my woods. They're everyone's woods. I get it. But I don't want to be in the woods with them because it's a different style of hunter. And honestly, I, I don't like what they do, and I don't like what they represent. I'm sorry. I just don't. My opinion, but I don't want to share the woods with them, elitist or not. So, um, yeah. So, okay, I'm going to catch up on my notes here. The, the consequences are coming. I think we've seen it in, in Wisconsin. We've seen it in, uh, from, uh, like in Oregon. I've seen it, uh, you know, we've seen it in, in other states where uh, the, the, these, these contraptions are being allowed. And there, there's, there's nothing archery about it. And the fact that they're in archery season just because they have, a, you know, a couple limbs and shoot, you know, a short arrow it, it, it is ridiculous. It goes against everything that archery is supposed to be where you're physically drawing back with your own strength. And the crossbows, a lot of them, they have this like, you know, like ratcheting, you know, crank, uh, you know, cocking device. So you're not even pulling this thing back with your own strength. Okay, you cock it, you know, at the truck hours before and you walk around and it's basically like, it's like a single shot. Okay, now granted, second shots, third shots, whatever are harder. This thing's heavy. It's clunky to lug around. But again, it's not archery. Because if you can pick this thing off at 60 yards, you know, what chance, you know, what, what chance does a traditional bow hunter have of even getting close to that animal if you take the thing out at 60 yards? You didn't use any of your skill. You didn't use any woodsmanship. You didn't use any archery skills. And it's just, it's just reduced everything for um, uh, opportunities and chances for the rest of it, uh, for, for the rest of us. So, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to leave the, the, the crossbow thing like that, I'm going to fight tooth and nail if any more crossbow crap comes up in my state. Um, I know there are people that sell 
that sell, I know shops that, that love this stuff because they shall, sell crossbows all the time. And I see it, you know, in, 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 in the indoor range where I shoot all the time and it just breaks my heart. And of course he's just trying, it's just a business and he's just trying to sell, sell stuff. And, and, and I understand that, but there's a lot of people that actually support this saying, well, you know, if, if a guy's only going to shoot one deer or, or this, not, what difference does it make? Well, it makes a big difference because then why not just have like a general, general whole, you know, season where you can use any weapon, which is ridiculous. You know, why not be using a rifle? I don't want to share the woods with these people. They're not my kind of hunter. They don't share, they don't, they don't share um, the ideals of what archery season is supposed to be. And they don't belong in the woods. The crossbows don't belong in the woods. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, moving on. My biggest pet peeve is scent control. Or at least scent altering devices. Let's call it Ozonics. Uh, this violates my personal ethics, like to degrees that I can't even, I, I, I can't, I can't even explain. You are using a device, an electronic device to chemically alter the air to affect how a deer or any other animal, well, let's just talk deer, you, smells the air. I mean, you, you, you are altering the air. You are taking away the number one form of self-preservation that deer have, and you're chemically altering the air by using an electronic mechanical device. This takes away every last fighting chance that this animal has in its favor. This is its number one form of, uh, of detection of, of, of predators, i.e. you, from a far distance to close distance. This is their number one. They can see, they can hear, but if they smell, that's it, right? You, you're taking this, this device, this contraption, you're putting it over your head and you're putting out a stream of ozone that, um, it, it, to me, it's, it's not like drugging the deer, don't get me wrong, but it's almost is because you are, you're, fooling, you're, you're fooling their nose with, um, by, by, by chemically altering the air and, chemi and, and how their nose reacts to it. It's different than camouflage. It's different than sitting in a tree stand because they can still pick you out. They can still see you. They can still hear you. But when you're using ozonics or any of this other stuff, and I'm not talking like cover scents because they see the cover scents are garbage. They, they smell right through that, right? The idea is that it's kind of like breakfast, you know, like if, if you and I walk into a room, you know, downstairs in the kitchen and we smell breakfast. Well, if a deer walked into that room, they would smell the eggs. They would smell the butter in the pan. They would smell the sausages. They would smell the, you know, the fennel in the sausage. They would smell, um, you know, whatever. They, they break it down to a thousand different smells, right? They, 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 can, they, can, they can see through all that cover scent, cover scent nonsense. But um, with Ozonics or with any of this stuff, you are taking away, you're, you're taking away their, last, their, their, their last line of self-defense and their biggest line of self-defense. And I'm sorry, I could not, if, if I went and shot a deer with this stupid mechanical contraption over my head, I could not look at myself in the mirror and be like, good job, Emra, you earned that. I'm sorry. It, I, would, I would feel so ashamed, so embarrassed to be a hunter that I don't think I'd set foot in the woods again. I, I, and I don't know how people do it. Um, yeah, I've, 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 got, I've, I've got some other thoughts on that, and I, and I, and I don't want to really, really get mean with it. But again, it's a lazy way out. Um, and I, I just, I, I have a whole lot less respect for people who do that than 
who, who don't do that. Okay, so I'm going to leave that one well enough alone, I think. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about is, um, well, there, there, there's, a few, there's a few items. And I'll kind of break them down a little bit. They're, they're kind of like not so hot button ones, but uh, just kind of stuff that some people feel are um, maybe ethical or, un or, or unethical. And, you know, I may or may not agree with them. One of them, for example, is lighted knocks. Um, I see no problem with lighted knocks, though a lot of people do, especially a lot of trad guys do for some reason. Um, with the lighted knock issue, I, I, people bring up the fact that, well, you know, people use them as tracers, right? You know, like a tracer on a, uh, on a military round, you know, where you can kind of see where your rounds are going and walk your rounds in, you know, if you're not accurate. Well, you really don't have that opportunity with a bow and arrow. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I don't use lighted knocks personally. I don't, I don't want to have to deal with the hassle of them, uh, whether they work or don't work. I don't like the extra weight they add in the back. I don't, um, you know, I've just never used them. But I can clearly see how um, it can be a very, very useful uh, tuning tool when you're, when you're shooting. It allows you to see the back of that knock, the, the bright glow, you know, kind of just like bright feathers do. It allows you to see that bright glow, and, and if, if, if your uh, arrow is kicking one way or twirling or spiraling or fishtailing or whatever, you can actually see that, and that can be a very, very valuable um, hunting tool. Uh, obviously, what they're meant to be is, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if you shoot an animal and, you know, it's dark, you can see this thing glowing, whether, you know, you get a complete pass-through and it's sitting, you know, nose down or something like that or, you know, buried into the dirt, you can, you can see it easier, go retrieve your arrow, go check the arrow for blood and what kind of blood, that kind of stuff. Or if it's actually still stuck in the animal, it didn't get a complete pass through, then if the animal's down, then, you know, and if the arrow happens to be, you know, sticking, you know, when it falls over, if it happens to be sticking up, obviously, then you can spot, uh, spot the animal quicker. I don't think it's um, kind of like a, you know, like a tag that you throw out there and then, you know, hope to catch it later. I, I, I don't agree with, I don't believe that philosophy. Um, another thing that kind of goes with that is these uh, Bluetooth knocks. I don't, I'm not sure of the company. I don't know how many companies make them, but I think only one of them came out with them. And it's a knock that, you know, within, I think, X many hundred yards, a couple hundred yards or whatever, sends out a Bluetooth signal where you can go retrieve your, uh, your, your arrow. Now, I'm not so sure with this one because this one um, does act like a homing device. With a lighted knock, you physically have, you visually have to see it. With this thing, you know, you turn on your phone and you go track your arrow. Now, of course, the company is going to say, well, it's for the recovery of your arrow. And if the arrow happens to be in the deer, then yes, it's a side benefit, but it's more for the recovery of your arrow. And of course, they're not going to come out. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know that they have a, a, an ulterior motive. I, I, I'm not going to put words in anyone's mouth. I don't think they do. But I can see how the technology could be perverted by people who would do that, fling an arrow, um, and then, you know, go chase them later. You know, let's say you don't have a good shot or you don't have uh, a great angle, but you're just going to do a Hail Mary and be like, you know what, the thing is going to die, and I'm just going to get one in it and come back and then try to home in on it later. I think you'd have to be an incredibly uneth unethical person uh, to, to do that. And I could see people doing that. You know, I, I, I can. But again, just like any law out there, a law is only as good as the people obeying the law as good people. 
If you're a bad person, you're not going to obey the laws. A poacher is going to be a poacher, no matter how many poaching rules there are, just like with the, with the gun, you know, with, with, with the firearm issue, right? All the gun laws in the world don't protect innocent people from bad people who don't care about gun laws. It's just that simple. I'm not going to go down that path, but again, I could see where uh, outlawing something like that uh, can be, uh, I can understand the reasoning. I can understand the reasoning for that. So uh, the next one is rangefinders, and I'm not sure, I'm finishing up this podcast um, uh, a little bit, this part of the podcast later than, than the first part of the podcast. So I'm not sure if I talked about rangefinders, but um, I still use one every now and then, uh, even with hunting with uh, traditional equipment. Uh, right now it's out of battery. It, it, and I don't, I don't think I'm going to go replace the battery, honestly. Um, it's, I think I talked about, you know, shot distances where you either, you, you got this or you don't. And I may have talked about it in another episode. I'm not sure. But there's two ways to, lo- two ways to look at rangefinders. One of them is, you know, some people say, well, you know, you're going to try and make a longer shot. You know, if you're comfortable to say 20 yards and then this thing steps out, and it's a little bit farther and you range it at 27, then that's going to tempt you to... Um, you know, shoot beyond your means. Well, I don't know if it's going to tempt you to do that. Uh, I think it's more beneficial to know exactly what range you are, you're at. I can do the exact same thing with, uh, you know, pacing off. If I go set up somewhere and I can pace off, you know, 15 yards of this tree over here or 10 yards of that bush over there or 25 yards to this other, you know, tree over here. And I've got the visual, uh, you know, I've got the mental picture. Whether after that, whether I have a range finder or not, I still know where that deer is going to be. A rangefinder just makes it that much more accurate that you don't have to walk to every single one of those trees all around you. You just kind of sit there, hunker down wherever you are and take a range over here, take a range over there, take a range over there, and you get a layout of the land. So rangefinders to me are, are, kind, of, are kind of like a neutral, uh, neutral deal. Um, but, you know, the other way to look at it is, especially with traditional is you have this go no go gauge internally. I think I think I do too. Um, I know I do. Uh, there are certain distances where I'm like, I got this. It's not even a question. I don't have to think about well, how many how many steps is that. And then you get to a point, and I'm sure there's a gray area in there. But then you get to a point where you're like, okay, I really got to think about the shot. You kind of take a step back and you know take a breath and be like, okay, way you know how far is this and. Um, you know, how long, how long do I think I can, I can do? So I think both uh, methods are valid. You know, you can either range it or you can walk it off. Either way, you are getting a range. Now, what I do have an issue with is uh, these new range-finding bow sights. Uh, I think Garmin came out with one uh, last year, year before, something like that. Um, and it had a lot of, um, uh, people, people had a lot of positive and negative response to it, which I'm, I'm kind of happy about, about the negative response, because again, <clears throat> people are saying, well, you know, how does it hurt to be more accurate? Well, you can take that, you can take that example and be like, well, how does it hurt to just shoot the thing with a rifle in archery season? Cause you can definitely, um, be more effective with a rifle. You know, if it's all about being effective, then why the hell do we have separate seasons? But we have separate seasons so that we can enjoy these seasons. We can enjoy this time um, without everyone else in the woods, and it's just a different method of take. But when you start adding this, you know, like an automatic bow sight. Now, some of you might say, "What's the difference between uh, a regular rangefinder and one that's you know mounted on your bow?" You know, this wouldn't be for a trad bow; it'd be for a compound bow. Well, again, the difference is movement. 
okay? Just like with the crossbow thing, it's movement. If you're gonna range an animal, you have to physically make, make movement by lifting, you know, you put putting your arm down, grabbing your rangefinder, lifting it up to your face, clicking it, putting it back down, moving your arm again, uh, clipping your uh, your release to your bowstring, raising your bow, and and if and then if the animal moves between you know now and then or whatever, if they get closer farther, well then you got to like unclip, you got to move your hand, grab the you know so you're making all this movement right, and the movement is what's supposed to get you busted, and I say supposed to again because um, the animals are supposed to win, right? I mean you're not supposed to win all the time. It's supposed to be difficult. So this takes away one more. Um, it just makes it one more step that's more automated, uh, and that's just that's just a no-go in my book. I think they should be banned. I don't think they should be allowed on uh, on bows. Um, you know, that's just uh, that, that's just my thoughts. So anyway, um, I guess to wrap this up, <clears throat> we're almost going on an hour here. My, I guess I don't know. My personal beliefs are. It's almost like I said, like just like uh, with the range, like you've got this internal like go no go gauge. For me, with ethics personally, and everyone has their own, there's a go no go gauge. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, let's just say you um, uh, you, you harvested an animal, you know, you doing you know using whatever particular weapon or, or in whatever particular season or whatever particular methods or, 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 or tools that you have at your at your disposal and at the end of the day do you feel good about yourself can you can you look at yourself in the mirror and you and say to yourself yep that is good I did a good job I'm proud of myself or do you look at yourself in the mirror and whatever you whatever animal that you took and then you say yeah I'm happy but you know and then your your uh, your harvest has an asterisk you know, above it, or several asterisks above it. Now, I personally don't think I could, like I said, I won't be able to feel good if I have, let's say, like an Ozonics unit um, or two, you know, strapped to this mechanical contraption, strapped, strapped to the tree above my head, pumping out this ozone, altering the air, and I'm shooting a deer with a crossbow that at 60, 70, 80 yards that I cocked back at the truck like, you know, two, three, four hours ago. Um, you know, and I knew how to be there and where to be because my cellular camera told me, you know, that there's an animal, you know, at this one particular location, you know, right now, and I need to be there. Well, I mean, you might as well play a damn video game. And uh, I think we're trying to get away from, from playing video games. So anyway, hope this wasn't too much of a rant for you guys. I know a lot of you guys agree with me on these things, and a lot of you guys disagree. Now, I know there's a lot of other podcasts I listen to, and you know, some are more uh, you know accepting of uh, let's say compounds than uh, th- than others, and others are you know completely against crossbows, and some of them are you know hey you know it's not that big a deal, it's just they're they're not harvesting more animals, they're just shifting like so a lot of like you know rifle hunters you know will will be you know shooting a crossbow rather than shooting a rifle because they get a lot of longer season. But I don't know if that's that's the case or not. I think the crossbow thing is so new or relatively new enough that we don't have enough data that's filtering in. But I'm, I'm going to tell you with my biases, I don't like where it's headed. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, please, if you like these, um, like, share, and subscribe, and leave a rating. Uh, leave a comment. I'd like to know. I think I'm doing better on these things. I think the, the quality has gotten, gotten better, especially since the first three episodes. And uh, let me know if it's improving. Let me know what you guys want to hear. And uh, I promise uh, you know, I won't do any more uh, rants or anything like that for the next um, uh, next, next, next several here. So 
uh, it'll be more a little more of a, of, a, of a positive event. So anyway, it's turkey season. Turkey season started. I'll do a, a podcast on turkey season uh, coming up here very, very shortly. And I hope, uh, I am sure by the time you guys hear this, your turkey seasons are probably either over or still in full swing. So I'm hoping you guys have a lot of good luck. And uh, anyway, thanks for joining me, and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks.